This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. So Father, I just, I come before you and I thank you for this time. And I just say, come Holy Spirit and speak through me. That they're not my words, that they're your words. And I'm almost undone before we start because the things I have lined up are through you. And I see your hand on this now. And I'm so grateful. And I thank you. And I thank you again for Mike and Rhonda and their leadership on this church and, and their vision for where we're going. And we just bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, God has an amazing plan for your life. Anybody believe that? Show me that. Okay. He does. And you are not here by accident. And I truly, truly believe that. And how many of you, I want to ask you something, are dreaming for something different in your life? Anybody? You want something more. You're looking for something different. And I want you to know that God does have something for you, or he wouldn't plant that inside you, okay? So I have six points for you, but here's the, the, the bottom line is that God is calling you up higher today. He's calling you to another level. It's time for you to step in to the next thing that he has for you. So the first point is, if you're taking notes, God will plant a powerful seed in you. So Genesis 37.9 says, Then he dreamed a dream. In Acts 2.17, And it shall be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all mankind. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. So there's many examples in the Bible that God gave dreams. So he gave Noah, obviously, uh, the dream of building an ark. He gave Abraham the dream of being a father to a great nation. He gave Joseph the dream of being a ruler to a nation. But your dreams are going to have to go through God in order to be achieved, right? They don't just suddenly show up if they're not in alignment, like Angie just said. So by definition, a God-sized dream will be, go beyond your ability, beyond your resources, and unless God does it, it can't be done. That's because he gets the glory. When it's done for him, he gets the glory. So you're one idea, one risk, one decision away from a totally different life. And if your dream doesn't scare you, it's too small. I used to be in another um, business, and, and they said, if your dream doesn't make your friends laugh, it's not big enough. And I agree to that. So go for a dream that's destined to fail without divine intervention. That's how you know. Um, in the business world, we say to times ten it. You grow it, multiply exponentially versus just addition. So we want you to dream exponentially. So part, Pastor Mark Batterson is um, a pastor in Washington, D.C., and he's written like 23 books. And one of them is Chase the Lion. And he talks about chasing 500-pound lions. And in the Bible, um, they, he ran into a pit and chased the lion and killed the lion with his bare hands. So uh, Pastor Mark's theory is your, your favorite scripture becomes your life scripture. And I love that. I agree with that. Does anybody have a favorite scripture? Yeah. Does it pertain to your life outside of just, oh, this is my favorite. It sounds good. It feels good. 
it really becomes your favorite or your life scripture. So whatever verse you have, do you need to implement that? Do you need to step into that verse? So God will never plant a dream in you that contradicts his word. And I was talking to Chad this morning. I said, is Caleb going to be here? And he said, no, but Angie's going to talk about it. But I have to um, add one little note. This came across this morning, and I just I got weepy. And I'm like, ah, oh, because he's young. Her son's young. And I wish I'd had this in my life when I was 19 years old. But here's what Caleb wrote. So you know the backstory. so thank you for, <laughs> for all of that. But Caleb wrote, when God puts a dream in your heart, doesn't, don't question on if he will fulfill it. Question on when he will fulfill it. I serve a powerful God, and he still amazes me with his love and his faithfulness to never let me down, even when I've gone against him. He is so good. If you don't know him and would like to, or even just want to know what I'm talking about, contact me. This is a 19-year-old boy, man, right? <laughs> man-child. Um, they never really grow up when they're your child. So this life is worth nothing if you haven't experienced the free love of God. And Paul Washer, he quotes, says, God is not a God who tolerates you. He is a God who loves you and a God who desires you. So the timing of, my, of this, that he has a plan for you, and then here's Caleb living proof. And I talk about a suddenly later. And it looks like it's a suddenly, but we know it wasn't. It, right? So, now I need Kleenex. <laughs> so... What's on your bucket list of impossible dreams? What are you doing to make them a reality? I have, I have, I've had 101 list of things I want to do. And I think I'm on like 98 on the list, but I haven't done 98. So when am I going to do those 98 things, right? So it's taking action with those. So remember, God has deposited those desires in your heart. They're not random or he wouldn't give them to you. I love the brain. I love to study. I love um, studying the body. But he didn't give me the desire to be a heart surgeon or a brain surgeon. It's not in my wheelhouse. But he's giving me other things to do. And so I want you to ask yourself, what do you desire most in your life? Who do you really want to be? What do I want to accomplish in the future? How can I make the biggest impact in my life? And what would make me feel alive inside? Are my dreams and desires in line with God's word? And how will getting clear on what I want drastically improve my life? You will not get where you want to go if you don't have clarity. So it's really important that you are crystal clear on God's plan and what you're, for you to go to work on it. Okay? So number... Oh, we have a, we're going to change the thing here because sometimes the Holy Spirit gives you something and there's you. <laughs> right? You're like, holy cow, hold on. Right? So God has a plan for your life, and you feel like you're on a roller coaster ride, right? Buckle up. Get ready. So step number two, point number two, is the dream will go way beyond your own personal limitations. Ephesians 3.20 has become my life verse, and I love this one, and I think Chad has it up there. Now to him, and this is out of the Amplified, and I, this is why I love it. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose, I love the little additions in there, to do super abundantly more than we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. So that has become my life verse. Um, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. 
I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. That's a scripture. It sounds like a declare and decree, doesn't it? I decree and declare, I can do all things. I decree and declare, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency, not in my strength. I decree and declare, I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. I take scripture and decree and decree them over my life. If you were to look at um, even Psalms 23, we all know Psalms 23, correct? If you go back and read it, it looks like a a declaration. And I just have the first two written down, but I declare that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I decree and declare he lies me down, lets me lie down. He lets me lie down in green pastures. I declare he leads me besides the still and quiet waters. So if you go through those verses in Psalm 23 and decree and declare them, oh, they're just your whole demeanor. There's just a peace that comes on you because you know God's in charge. God is, doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And his assignment will require your absolute faith in him. God honors big dreams because big dreams honor him, Right? So you are to draw from his power and strength, not on your own. And the dream will need God's super on your natural. It needs to be so big it scares you. And the key to pursuing your dream is to do it for intrinsic reasons. It's not for fame. It's not for the money. Now, we love that the money comes because we can give more. We can do more. We can send people to the nations. But your goal is not for the money. It's what what are you going to do with that? Where is it going to go? You know, I pray for abundance and supernatural favor and um, just wear favor like a shield because that, in turn, comes back to God because he's the one who gave it to me. So the key to pursuing your dream, oh, excuse me, the will of God is the glory of God. That's the whole purpose for your goal, for your dream. The will of God is the glory of God. So number three, God will open doors for you that no one can shut. Amen to that, Right? I know your deeds, Revelations 3.8 says, See, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. For you have a little power, and have kept my word, and have not renounced or denied my name. And Revelations 3.8 says, one second, I'm going to give you the whole thing. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, because a wide door for effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. So, when you go into, when I go into my businesses, I feel like God has already opened that door. I just have to walk through it. And I'll walk in, I'll kind of open the door a little bit, and I'll wait a second, like the Holy Spirit's going before me. I'm just like, come on in, Holy Spirit, come with me. And I'll, and I'll pray, and I'll just say, God, I released your anointing on this business, and I nullify all plans of the enemy as I walk in this door. I'm in sales. And every, everything is contingent upon that business, that business, that business, those people saying yes. There is no plan B for my life. So I have to go in and just trust God. And I, I sleep at night. I have peace. I've never, um, well, I used to. I used to get super nervous. And where's the next dollar coming from? Who's going to pay, you know, that bill? And one time I had this revelation that God's constantly providing for me. And if I will just trust, he's going to keep providing, and I don't have to get out of peace. And so he's really allowed me to learn to trust him by being in sales. That's 100% commission. And I'm grateful for the lessons learned. So 
1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9. Oh, I read that, excuse me. One of the promises I stand on there is Ephesians is Revelations 3, 7. What he opens, no one can shut, and when he shuts, no one can open. And it reads in full, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of the Holy One, the True One. He who has the key to the house of David, he who opens and no one will be able to shut, and he who shuts, no one opens. So God is calling you up higher church, and he's opening doors for you in this season. And you just need to trust that. Trust that he is. God will grant you supernatural favor with people you need to fulfill his purposes. No device or adversary sent from the enemy will be able to stop you. And you can settle in on that and just know that. Just have that knowing, that, that peace. Number four, your dream will go through many seasons before coming to fruition. Galatians 6, 9, in the Amplified Version, says, Let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good. For the proper time, we will reap if we don't give in. Don't you hate if? (laughs) That means it's probably going to be longer than today. And one of the things I have found is there's a catch. It takes action on your part. You can't just pray as if it depends on God. You have to pray if it depends on God and work as if it depends on you. You have to do your part. So it will require action. And what I have found is just as inaction is an action and indecision is a decision, for years I have said not doing something is still handling it. You're just handling it badly. It could be your finances, a relationship, something you really don't want to do and you keep putting it off. So not handling it is still handling it. You're just handling it badly. And that really struck me when I heard that, and I thought, I'm not going to live like that. I want to handle it, I want to get it done, and, and let it go. So, again, you can't just pray as if it depends on God. You have to pray as if it depends on you also. So, how many of you love suddenlies? Angie just asked that, everybody, right? So, many of you know, um, it looks like my husband Robin is a suddenly. All of a sudden, met him, three months later we're married, life is good. And it still is. And we have an awesome relationship and a marriage. And we're still, we were driving this weekend and going, what did people think (laughs) last fall? Because it was so fast. But we had people praying and we knew that no one had a check in their spirit. We knew that this was right and it was of God. But here's the thing. I prayed for 16 years for him. It didn't just, he didn't suddenly show up. It looks like it, but there was prayer behind those, in those 16 years. And so what I know is that God can take you from the prison or the pit into the palace overnight, just like he did for Joseph. However, I have found that the middle P, the process, nobody really likes. Nobody likes the process. They don't want to go through. And I will tell you, I don't think I've ever seen a suddenly where the process didn't come first. It looks like it, and there are. I've seen people pray and be healed, but I'd be willing to bet that person was praying for that healing prior to us praying for them, right? So... Here's what I know is that long obedience in the same direction takes sacrifice. So getting up early, skipping um, maybe a TV show or a dinner, going out to dinner with friends or um, staying up later, those are sacrifices to help you reach the goals. When I was starting my businesses, it took time and it took effort and a lot of time on my knees, um, but I kept going. I started a new business about three years ago and the first year there was no fruit. I mean, no fruit. I didn't make one dime on that company. But I kept going and kept praying and kept maneuvering and changing and adding new things. And the next year, some more people came. And then this year, it's been 
amazing. It's been a full first year, so it was worth it. But there was a process in there that took a lot of time. And three years is probably not that much in reality. So success isn't sexy, it's sweaty. It's not glamorous, it's gritty, and I have found many do not love the process. But sometimes the seeds of your dreams don't germinate in a month or a year or even a decade, and sometimes it'll be your next generation that will see the fruit of your, of your prayers. But if you plant and water, God will give you the increase in due time. And I always ask why, why will he? Why, why would we not stop? Because you cannot break the law of reaping and sowing. You just can't. So sometimes... And it's the obedience, or not sometimes, it's the obedience that glorifies God. Putting off what God calls you is to is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So telling God what you'll do next time or later is disobedience. And in the valley of darkness, you must walk by faith, not by sight. So number five, God's got your back. And we sang about that. I just love the songs that we sang today. But isn't it reassuring? He's got your back. If I just do the work, he's, he's, you know, he's my advocate. He's going before me. And I love the fact that I don't have to um, get worried or stressed out. He's got my back. Psalm 139.7 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? You can't. You can't shake God off. You can't hide. He's omnipresent. So with that, 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says, But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you setting you on a firm foundation. It's not of sand, it's firm. And he will protect and guard you from the evil one. So no weapon formed against you will prosper. So being bold for the Lord wherever you go, I spell bold, R-I-S-K. And for years I had on my fridge, I saw this somewhere, and I scratched it on a piece of paper and slapped it on my fridge, and I still have it. And it's not in my fridge because the fridge is clean <laughs> since we've moved. Um, but it said... At all times, risk at every opportunity. At every opportunity. Take a risk whenever you can because you will never forget it, regret it. Excuse me. I can't tell you the times I wish I had. Did any of you feel like that? I wish I'd done something and you can't go back and do it over. So my favorite quote is, the pain of regret is greater than the pain of discipline. I would rather be disciplined than wish I had. I'm trying to lose weight right now, and every time I eat something I wish I hadn't, I'm just like, mm. <laughs> So even in the small, mundane things, I want to be disciplined in. Because, I, again, when I reach that goal, I prayed. I'm like, God, help me. He wants us to be healthy. He wants, this, this is a vessel for him. I want to be healthy. So I've been prophesied to multiple times about my healing gift, and I love to pray for people. I love to see people healed. Um, we've seen some awesome things. And I love when they're suddenlies. However, I get nervous. So if I see people out and about and I think, oh, I should pray for that person. And then I get nervous and I don't do it. And I, I'm just frustrated when I don't do it. And one of the things is that stepping, I'm stepping out in faith when I see that is I'm in obedience to God. He's given me a gift. He's given you a gift. Yours is different. Everybody's is different. We're not all to be have the same gift or you know, we're not all to go to, to that mission or to have that heart for, we all have different hearts for different causes. Thank goodness we're not all in the same, same thing. So when I go for it, when I step out in faith, I get so excited. And when I'm nervous and wish I had, it discourages me. And so when I think about not doing it, I flip it and I'll think, what if? 
What if that gal, her arm is healed? What if the tendon is healed? What if the cancer goes away this time? What if diabetes is healed? What if she is touched and sees God love, God's love, and how much he loves her, and she were to accept Jesus if she hadn't already? And her whole eternity is changed because I stepped out. I'm like, I'm just going to go for it, right? I'm just going to be bold. I'm going to take that risk. And I have to remember it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not me doing it. So if he doesn't do it, we don't know why he doesn't always do it. We love when he does. Sometimes I think it's more for me because I'll get probably too high on my horse thinking, well, I can just, you know, pray for everybody and, and they'll be healed. And it keeps me humble. And it keeps me dependent on God. So when I think about um, not doing it, I also think about if I don't do it, I'm, I'm out of obedience. So not only what it would do for her or him, but what it will do for me if I, if I stay out of, out of um, obedience to God. So my obedience is someone else's breakthrough. Your obedience is someone else's breakthrough. So I, I do it with my job, too. I just trust that when he's working, I'm doing my part, he's doing his part so I get to stay in peace. Um, I also want you to remember that fear is a spirit. And you have control over that. You can tell that spirit to go and not live and operate in fear. So last year I had a, um, a few times I've had it prophesied about this healing. Kay and Lois did it last year here. Um, but I had a pastor in Minneapolis um, prophesy that my healing gift would increase. And I'm, I love numbers. I'm in business, if you will. And... He used this man to speak to me in my, in my language. God will meet you where you're at. He will speak to you in your terms. And what he said to me was that my healing gift will increase, and that would go from 1 out of 10 to 1 out of 7, 1 out of 5, 1 out of 3 to 1 out of 1. And that's exciting. But how many of you know if I don't do it, it's not going to happen, right? If I don't take that leap, so sometimes I'll be like, okay, I want to increase my odds, so I better go pray for this person. <laughs> you know, it just, whatever I have to do, to be in obedience, to impact that person, to change that person's life. And it's not me, you know, it's God. But because he's, he's, I'm a numbers person, when he said that in the ratios, I'm like, okay, that's cool. And so side note, if any of you need me to pray for you, please come up so I can increase my odds here. Uh, <laughs> but he's not going to work through me. And here's the thing. David killed the lion in private. David killed the lion and the bear in private. And then when he went public and killed the giant in public. So what I'm doing behind the scenes, what I'm doing with the small things like a torn ligament or a leg growing out, um, I, I can't even think of some of the other things we've had. Someone's ear, even just an earache. That girl was so glad we healed her earache, right? It's painful. And I want to see cancer healed. I want to pray for someone and see, I, people have seen cancer fall off, diabetes healed. I'm like, I have to go for the little so God can trust me in the big. And so it's, and, and for you too, it's doing the little things that, that you don't feel like. Um, I've seen many healings. Um, one of the things I love uh, is the motto of the Hunger Games is, may the odds ever be in your favor. And I'm not saying that's a good show, but just go with me here. But it's, uh, it's more like with God and the kingdom of God. May the odds ever be against you. Because impossible odds set the stage for God 
to get the glory, to do impossible things. I love this because I, I apparently God loves um, long shots also. It's why he removed 9,700 9, soldiers from Gideon's army. It's why he let the fiery furnace be heated up seven times greater. It's why he let Lazarus lay there for four days before they raised him from the dead. Because then God would get the glory, right? So whatever you're thinking, whatever your dreams are, um, we tend to avoid situations where the odds are against us, right? But when we do, we are robbing God of the opportunity to do incredibly glorifying things for him. So when was the last time you attempted something that was destined to fail without divine intervention, right? Think of that. Dr. Neil Rose says, at the end of your life, there are two kinds of regret, action regret and inaction regret. So action regret is easy. You do something and you wish you hadn't. And I have many of those. Anybody else? And I'm not going to discuss them because it will protect the innocent <laughs> and the not so innocent. However, inaction regret is at the end of your life, you wish you had done something. If you have a dream or a goal or something you've always wanted to do and you've put it off and you put it off and you don't think you can, you don't think you have the money, you don't think you have the time, you will have an 83% ch greater chance of that regret. The other regrets are, uh, the, the action regret is like 50-50. You might regret it, but what I have found is that people, when they regret something that they've done, they use it, they turn it, and they go, well, it made me who I am today. But it's the not doing something that people tend to regret more at the end of their life. There's also something called inertia regret. Every time you don't do something, it's harder to do it the next time, and then harder the next time and then harder the next time. And it's leaving you with less and less chance of doing it, and it's harder and harder to do. So knowing this, it, make, it can make you act. It makes me act. I'm like, I don't want it to be harder next time. It's hard enough the way it is right now. So I'm going to step out and do it now. I think our inaction affects us. It affects others. It's, it affects history more than we're aware of. Again, inaction is an action, and indecision is a, is a decision. One of the things I have found is that Indecision is never a good place to be. It's good to seek counsel. It's good to have wisdom. It's good to pray about an answer. But you need to make that decision and then let it go. If you vacillate, it's not good. There's all kinds of, again, I love to study the brain, but there's all kinds of things that happen to you physically, internally, spiritually when you're in indecision. So make that decision and then go for it. One of the lessons I've learned in this is I sometimes ignore those promptings of the Holy Spirit. And what happens is, your heart gets a little hardened every time. So the next time it's a little bit more difficult to hear that or feel that or hear that, uh, know that prompting from God. However, the opposite is true too. If you obey the prompting, your heart gets a little softer and you tend to hear God's voice more clear and then it gets better and easier. So when your heart is tugged, if your spirit is stirred, you need to act right now. James 4.17 says, So if any person who knows what is right to do but doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So again, delayed obedience is disobedience. One measuring stick I love to use in the Bible is, it says, well done, good and faithful servant. Right? Not well said, not well thought, well done. So last week we celebrated Res Resurrection Sunday, and when Jesus walked out of that tomb on the third day, the word impossible was deleted from our, our vocabulary. So fix your eyes on the lion of the tribe of Judah, um, not on your problems. And, you know, do you tell your problems about Jesus 
or do you tell Jesus about your problems? Tell your problems what a big God you serve. They you don't, don't, you know, we go to God and Jesus pleading for things. It's like, no, tell, tell your problems you serve a bigger God. Your name, the name of Jesus is above all those problems. So number six, your trust will determine your legacy. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says, Blessed is a man who believes and trusts in and relies in the Lord and whose hope and confident expectation is in the Lord. For he will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters that spread out its roots by the river and will not fear the heat when it comes, but its leaves will be green and moist and it will be, not be anxious and concerned in the year of drought, nor stop bearing fruit. So focus on the impact you're going to have on, your, on the kingdom. Most of my adult life I have I've been, I've taught or spoke, and um, I just I knew that it was something that was on my life, and, and it was my heart's desire. But like when Pastor Mike asked me to speak to this, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, you get nervous. And yet again, it's not about me. And if it's, in, if it's on me, if it's in my heart's desire, if it's a calling, I have to go for it. I have to practice. I have to say yes, even if I'm a little nervous. Well, I don't want to be a nervous wreck every time I'm asked to speak. And I just, again, I'm flipping, and I'm like, I'm going to enjoy praying into this, and what, what does God have for me? I'm going to enjoy writing it out. I'm going to enjoy practicing it. I'm going to enjoy delivering it. And it's so fun when you're in God's calling, and you don't have to sit and be nervous. But again, I have to practice. I have to go for it, because you just don't suddenly become great at the things God called you to, but he's going to provide a way for you to get better and better. So faith is a process of unlearning fears. Perfect love casts out fear, and the opposite of love is fear. And when you know God loves you, no matter what you do, and God's going to be there to pick you right back up. You've all heard of ready, set, go, right? Well, the axiom to that is go, set, ready. So because if you wait until you're ready, you will never be ready that dream, that hope, that desire that you've been waiting for, you will never be ready. The issue isn't readiness, it's willingness. And you don't need a green light, and here's why. Because Jesus gave you a green light 2,000 years ago. He said, go. So God will not give you a dream unless he plans to bring it to fruition through you, just like Caleb. It was a dream for him. When we operate in faith, we aren't risking our reputation, we're risking God's. So gratitude is thanking God before he does, excuse me, after he does something. Faith is thanking God before he does something. And if you want to get a word from God, you want to get into the word of God. And that's how you learn to discern the voice of God. Our chief end is to glorify God. And if your goal is to make famous the name of Jesus, good fortune will follow you all the days of your life right into eternity. So no matter what you do, you are a priest first. If you're a follower of Christ, you are a priest. So you might be a priest athlete, a priest CEO, a priest politician, a priest coach, a priest entrepreneur, but your portfolio is your pulpit and your company is your congregation. So I'm going to have everybody stand with me as we wrap up the day. And I have a manifesto that um, is from Chase the Lion and it's powerful. And I love it. And it just, it just, raises the, the bravado in me to go out and chase that 500-pound lion. It says, quit living as says, the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Run to the roar. Set the God-sized goals. Pursue God-given passions. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Stop pointing out problems. Become a part of the solution. 
Stop repeating the past. Start creating the future. Face your fears. Fight for your dreams. Grab opportunities by the mane and don't let go. Like, live like today is the first day and the last day of your life. Burn sinful bridges. Blaze new trails. Live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Dare to fail. Dare to be different. Don't quit holding out. Don't quit holding back. Quit running away and chase the lion. So I'm going to have you pray with me as, um, as we um, finish the this, this service. Father, I just pray and I thank you for this time together. I repent of our sin, Father. Not just sin, but for our small dreams. Because we're robbing you of the opportunity to work through us, to do more through us. So I pray for our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears to be open. That you will visit your people in dreams and visions so that we can do exploits for you in your kingdom. Spirit of boldness, come. We say yes to you, Father God. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. So the size of your dream may be the most accurate measure of the size of your God. Think of that. The size of your dream might be the most accurate measure of the size of your God. Is it big? Is it a big dream? Do you have a big God? Can he do big things through you? So I challenge you, church, to go up higher. So high it will only be accomplished by God intervening. Something that scares the socks off you. So keep, but in the meantime, keep imagining the outcome of, of God's perfect will for that situation. And if you are new to this church or you wandered in and didn't know, you, you know even why you're here, sometimes we know that happens. So we always want to give um, everybody an opportunity to either rededicate your life or to accept Jesus for the first time. Because if you want the peace I speak about, or having a, a father who goes before you who's your advocate, who loves you and loves you and loves you no matter what, we want you to have that opportunity. So if this is you, we are going to um, corporately pray together so that you're not doing it alone. So with heads bowed, you'll repeat after me. Father, I confess that I'm a sinner. I repent and ask for your forgiveness for all that I've done against you. I believe your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for my sins. And on the third day, he rose again. I fully accept him into my heart as Lord and Savior and surrender my life to you. Father, as you fill me with the Holy Spirit, I ask you to cleanse mold and shape me into the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. And congratulations, you are now a born-again child of God. And there's four steps. Tell others you accepted Christ. Spend time with God every day praying and reading the Bible. Seek fellowship with other believers. And get baptized in water as commanded by Christ. And I'm going to have our prayer team come forward. And if you are a new believer and you just want someone to pray over you and solidify that, we'd like you to, um, when we're all done here, you can come forward. Or if you need prayer for healing, inner healing, physical healing, emotional healing, we want to pray for you. These people are safe, and we want to come with you. We want to come alongside you and partner with you and, and to have the, your answers that God wants you to also have. So we bless this church today, Father, and we just we say thank you 
that you will multiply and increase us in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.